This is Riding the Long Way Home with Paul Burney. So uh, my guest in this episode is someone who has definitely ridden the long way home. In fact, a lot longer than I have. My guest is a friend, Andy Fogg. Earlier on this year, Andy completed the Transcontinental Race, which for those of you who don't know, is a solo self-supported race uh, across Europe somewhere between three and a half thousand to four and a half thousand kilometers depending upon the route you take. Uh, the route changes every year and the only real big rule is that the riders must be solo, solo and, and, and self-supported so they can't have any outside help and they also must go through four different checkpoints on the way from A to B and other than that they can pick their own route. So welcome Andy. Thank you Paul. So, um, there are tons of questions I want to ask you about the what and the where and the how, but I'd rather just start with why. why? What would possess anybody <laughs> to want to take part in a, in a several thousand kilometre race? Paul, your wife told me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you always do what she told you to do? Many years ago, she said to me, if not now, when? And this year I'm 50, I was 50 in August, and you have all these ideas in your head. And if not now, when? We're going to get old and one day we might not be able to do it at all. So it was just, what are we waiting for? But so have you had a background in endurance sports races or is this like a I first suppose, time? I suppose it's developed over the years. So I hated sport in school, put off it for probably 15 years, didn't do any sport, drank, smoked, um, thought people wearing lycra were, were freaks and then gradually, gradually got into it. Um, and it's just got, gradually over the years more and more and more long distance and I've been going to the French mountains every year for the past probably 11 years um so yeah because that's that's how I know how I first kind of noticed that you have a, a slight more extreme tendency is um I noticed you did like four or five maybe more um laps if you like of of Alpe d'Huez I've done I think I did, no, I've done four in a day, um, and I go there every year to do the Marmot, which I've done for the past 11 years, and that's four big climbs in, in a day, and that's truly brutal, I think, so yeah. that gives you something to train for all year round, Yeah. Um, which is quite humbling, considering when you get there, you're supposed to be fully trained, and it's still probably a 10-hour bike ride. Um, yeah. Up to as is probably, I think it's about 10 climbs of Edge Hill. So um, that's the 1,000 metres of climbing and the Marmot's 5,000 metres of climbing. So it's a real sort of day out. And I think if you don't train, I've been a couple of years where I haven't trained and it's been really, really brutal. Um, so it gives you something in the diary to, to train for. Yeah. Um, and I've just done that every year and gradually I've done more and more and more. So each year I go, I've been doing more and more riding as well as the Marmot, more exploring and more just getting around. So I think it's just gradually uh, evolved. But it's still a massive jump to then go to transcontinental. Um, but why not? It was a big jump to start doing the Marmot for the first time when I, when I did it. So if not now, when? So let's talk about this year's race then. Where, where did you ride from and where did you ride to? What was the start and finish point? started in the town of Burgas, which is on the Black Sea in Bulgaria. Yep. And it finished in uh, Brest in France on the Atlantic coast. So it's the first time it's gone east-west. Yeah. And the previous six years it's gone, it's gone north-south. Yeah. And so how long did it take you to complete and how many kilometres did you cover? The winner did it in 10 days, something. I did it in 21 days and I came sixth from last. I did just over 4,000 kilometres. 
Uh, and so, but one of the key things about it is, and I'll come back to those numbers because yeah. those are amazing on their own. One of the key things about it is you pick your own route. Yes. So when do they announce the route, the, 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 the start and finish points and these four checkpoints? And then how do you go about deciding the order of the sequence of those? And, and how do you go about, you know, what, what's that process like? I made a mistake this year. I didn't spend enough time route planning. Um, the, they announce it at the end of November each year. So you've got the four checkpoints, uh, so you know where they are geographically, but they don't give you the parkour for each individual checkpoint until much nearer the start. It might be in May or June time. So your planning's got to take into account there might be a bit of a change just, bef- just before the race starts. Um, and it's just so boring route planning. You've got to do hours and hours of route planning to choose your route, to decide whether you want to do climbing or whether you want to go longer distance to avoid climbing. And then you've got to look at the roads, the condition of the roads. There's tunnels you're not allowed to go down. You're obviously not allowed to go down on motorways. Or, um, so you, it's a lot went into it. I didn't put anywhere near enough into it. Do, so do, uh, and did that cost you? Yes, yeah. I think I reckon. Did it cost you extra kilometres? or I it, or it cost, cost you a day. So going through, a uh, good example is going through Brittany, very lumpy, so it's rolling countryside, always up, always down, a bit like Cornwall. Um, and I was, uh, I'd routed the, the sort of shortest route, which went up and down, up and down, lots of little country lanes. Yeah. So never getting into any rhythm or routine. And it was just soul destroy, it just breaks you. So actually at that time I made a change. I just went down the main roads, which are longer and the gradients are more steady. So it was longer distance, but it meant you could get into a, a rhythm and just sort of relax into it. Um, so I think that that cost me simple mistakes like that. But in, yeah. in such a vast distance, there were quite a few times I, I, I cost, it cost me time. Did you did you end up going on the wrong type of road? I mean, did I did you... once suddenly. Uh, uh, online mapping isn't brilliant. It's very very good compared to what it used to be, but there's still still things on there that aren't on there. So at one point I found myself on a motorway, and you think this isn't right. We've got to get off here straight away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a cycle path there is no cycle path that was it so yeah yeah we've only got the online maps that, that anyone can get through ride gps or commute or yeah or google or whatever it is so they're not that brilliant but they're good enough to to get the job done so you all set you all get the 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 start and finish in november then you plan your own routes yeah. uh, did you meet any of the other riders along the road? Did people people yes. end up on the same roads yes. as you? Yes, uh, especially at the beginning because we're all quite close to each other. So yeah. good camaraderie on the road. Yeah, really good. Um, it split off when we got to the mountains. So apparently, out of the two hundred and sixty-five starters, only twelve of us went through the middle of the mountains. So I thought that's probably where I'm strongest climbing. So I went the shortest direct route, but everybody else went north and south. Did an extra. 60 kilometers but saved 2,000 meters of climbing yeah but I don't think I've, I've lost any time to anyone else by going going the short route yeah um, and then one person went through Kosovo so only one person of 265 riders went through Kosovo but everyone, yeah. everyone's free to choose their own route yeah so let me let me take you back to to day one how did you feel on the start line or the night or the night before what was that well, like I'd made a mistake because I'd booked a, a place to stay a seven miles outside of town and everyone else stayed <laughs> to ride to the start so line I had to ride seven miles into town <laughs> to get to the start for six o'clock um, 6am 6am start yeah, yeah uh, from from this 
place. It was a, a monument, a sort of Soviet-era style monument on, on the coast. And then it went straight down a motorway with a police escort for a neutralised zone for maybe five miles. And then it went out into a, a start parkour where they'd deliberately given us a bit of a route to, to stop everybody bunching up. And it went straight off into quite bad country with sort of gravel yeah. and dirt tracks and things. Um, so the whole the first day... Absolutely murderous. I did 191 miles in the first day, including... 191 lot, miles? A lot of climbing, a lot of gravel, a lot of terrible conditions. 300 more But the next day, I was completely stuffed and 70 miles, I was completely stuffed. And right. There was a climb I was going up and it was very hot. I had to stop every three-tenths of a mile. It was just, just unbearable. Was that just like over-enthusiasm for the start? You just like so excited, you just, yeah. you just kept going? Or, yeah. or well, you, uh, had you planned that you were going to do I that distance? The, well, the problem was the first checkpoint was 26 hours from the start. So it closed 26 hours from the start. So there yeah. wasn't the luxury of saying, which was 8 o'clock the next morning. Yeah. So there wasn't the luxury of saying... I'll sleep and go to the start, go to oh, the checkpoint. Yeah, so, so one of the brutal things I've found about the, about the race, and it's the thing probably that puts me off, is, is that there is, of course, the clock starts the minute the, the race yeah. starts. And, and it's not a time, it's not like, you know, it's time sections. The clock just keeps running as long as, yes. as, long as you're yeah, going. Yeah. But then there are time cutoffs that you've got to get to yeah. at each of these, these, these checkpoints. So you had to do how far to get to... I was about 160 miles to get to the first checkpoint. Yeah. Which I got to at midnight. Yeah. But it was raining, it's in a wood, and um, there was nowhere to be or sleep. So yeah. I descended down the other side, and it was just a track going down the other side. It was a road, but there was just nowhere to, to be and there was nowhere to stay. So I had to keep going, keep going, keep going, until I found a bus yeah. shelter in the next uh, town. Um but trying to sleep in a bus shelter in, in electric light, you know, sodium lights yeah. and, and there's a drunk person there and I was just, I didn't get any sleep at all. So I woke up the next day completely stuffed really. So yeah. I think I'd be better off pacing myself better, but I think we had to get to that checkpoint in time. And yeah. As soon as you got there, then you could relax a bit because we've got so much time to get to the next checkpoint. Yeah. It's a bit puzzling why they put the first checkpoint so close to the start. Do you think it was a, a, as a kind of challenge to root out... You know, the people who, who weren't prepared, who hadn't come. So how many of the 265 people who started then, how many finished? The results have been published uh, this week, so I don't quite know, but I think over 100 uh, scratched, over 100 right. people phoned in or texted in to say that they weren't finishing it, so they call that scratching. Yeah. So I came sixth from last, but at least I finished, so that's what I set out. Yeah, so well, a massive, so. massive achievement. <laughs> So you're in your bus stop in, uh, in still in Bulgaria at this point, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know not getting a, a night's sleep. So you mentioned, let's talk about the, the sleep, not just there, but but throughout the rest of it. You took your own camping gear, is I that took right? A bivy bag, a silk bag liner, yeah, um, a downfield uh, gilet, and a couple of spare layers, uh, leg warmers, and that, and that that was it really. Bulgaria is really hot, so it's way into the thirties, so right. Um, I don't think being cold was ever ever really an issue. Um, certainly but, not in the early days. But, 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 so we, a, a second thing yeah. that puts me off is, is you know, people that have followed my, my trips will know that I go from Airbnb to Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. Camping is not my, is not my thing, and yeah. and 
camping without the tent is definitely yeah. not my thing. I think it was sometimes it was beautiful, actually stunning. It yeah, was absolutely stunning. One night I slept on a bed of uh, sort of mini mini heather, you know, a beautiful clear sky, warm, absolutely stunning. Yeah. Got up early, tried to get. I tried to get on the bike at six o'clock every morning. Yeah, um, not always possible, but start off at six and keep riding till it got dark. The the pattern seems to be there's loads of places to bivy till it gets dark and of course when it gets dark you can't quite see where anything is and you is. can't find where you're going to go yeah so I, I also stayed probably about half as much of the time I stayed in um, accommodation if I could find it and I used uh, like an online booking thing booking.com or okay you know. yeah um, and it was dirt cheap. Oh, so you did stay in, in bed and breakfast. Did, so you did yeah, sleep in a yeah, bed yeah. Occasion, occasionally on en route. Yeah, there were a couple of times you just had to if you're so true to the skin. Um, yeah. But I, you, you take what you can find. And yes. I think it's good to recharge not just the batteries of your phone and your Garmin and everything else, but wash your shorts, dry yourself, you yeah. know, clean yourself up. And yeah. I think a good night's sleep in a bed is better than better than bivying, but bivying is, is what you do when, when you're in no other place. So... Uh, the winner, Fiona, I think she spent 19 hours a day on the bike. Yes, it's Fiona Kohlberg, yeah, the German, yeah. German lady who won. I think she's, she's only 24 years old. Yeah, amazing. Up, isn't she? yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just, she just smashed it. She I smashed think, everybody, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, I think by the first checkpoint, I think, looking at the photo and how high the sun was in the sky, I think she was about six hours ahead of me uh, by the end of the first day. And you think, wow. <laughs> was that apparent to you? You know, you know when kind of this, the big group, you all yeah. set off. Was it, how long did it take before it started to settle down and you went, oh, these are my people that are going to ride at my pace and the rest have disappeared Several, off. several days because the, the pace the first group went off at was just phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you and I could probably have stayed with it, but we would have had to stop after 10 miles. It would go, go full on race speed as if it was a, yeah. a normal... Bless race. you for thinking I could have stayed with it, but that's, we, I, I we, doubt we, it. We all can, but only for short periods of time. Yeah, yeah. So, so you say your pattern was you'd wake up, Get on the bike at six a.m. in the morning and then ride through till dark. Which at the time yeah. of the year you're riding is probably ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at that night. That was confusing because we were so far east. I think we were something like twenty-seven degrees or twenty-something degrees east, and then we ended up at about six degrees west. Yeah. So there was a three-hour uh, Eastern European time was three hours different. We right. Ended up being one hour different by the time we got to the end. So I was getting up three hours earlier than you guys here in the UK this sort of been up and I was I was off yeah um, and it gradually changes and I, I, I was following so you can follow there's a, a an app that you can follow online or website yeah. so I can follow your little dot flag watching, and your dot watching yeah, yeah. yeah I was following your little dot going going across Europe and then zooming in to see where where you were yeah. and what kind of terrain that you were you were in um, and that, that that on its and itself kind of um, is an amazing thing to see how far people have traveled. So how many countries did you travel through then in your 4,000 kilometres? Bulgaria, Slovenia, Croatia, no, Bulgaria, Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, Austria, Fran uh, Italy, back into Austria, Switzerland and France. Yeah. Yeah. So plenty, plenty of travel there. And, and of those, which, which did you enjoy the most? Oh, I don't... I don't know, really. I think it was just an amazing well, experience. Well, let me take a step, step back. Did you enjoy any of the experience? I, I think if you asked me, did I have anything funny happen to me, I would say no. It was probably the horriblest thing I've ever done. But at the same time, <laughs> the most amazing thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, 
it was just stunning scenery, but the, the, you're racing, so I don't think you can take the time to sit there and, yeah. and look at it. And so there, there was no point then during the ride where you thought, this is great, I'm enjoying this. It was an amazing adventure. I love adventure, so I think yeah. that, that part of it I really, really did enjoy. Yeah. Um, but at no point can you relax, because you know when you said, when did it settle down into yeah. into your group of people? There were people who were at my level who I was racing against, who, who I can't stop because they're not going to stop. So yeah. each night you're thinking, are they carrying on? Are they carrying on? I can't stop. Do you find yourself, did you find yourself opening yes. up the app yes, to, to check yeah, somebody yeah. else's dot? There, there were some key people who, some of them finished and some of them didn't, who were very closely matched to me. So I think the spirit of the race is, it's a race, I can't win it, but I was racing right to the very very end. I was trying to catch someone right at the at the very end. Yeah. Um, that's that's. But 21 days in, you're still trying to, yes, to chase yeah, somebody down. Yeah, yeah, and at one point, I think probably a third of the way in, quite a few people scratched, and all of a sudden you realise, oh my God, it's, it's comforting to look on the map and see there's loads of people behind you. Yes. But when they all start scratching and the dots start disappearing, and you realise, <laughs> oh my God, I'm near the end of the race, it's the wake-up call to, come on, get your arse in gear. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to think then, you see... If none of it was was particularly enjoyable, but there's there's that kind of of pleasure in in having completed something really tough. W- would you ever do it again? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think at the time I spent all my time thinking, if I could get out of it now, what would I be doing if I was at home? And I was thinking, I some simple boring things that I would do, just read a book or yeah. decorate a window or something. Yeah. And you couldn't get out of it. You had to keep going. <laughs> But I, the moment I got home, I missed it. I just missed it. Now that, so that I understand, because when, when I did my trip from Milan to London uh, a couple of years back, um, quite often people ask me about that trip, you know, what, what were you thinking about? You know, how did you, you, know, how did, how did you cope with, with 14 days on your own? And of course, I didn't have 14 days on my own, because at the end of each night, at least I had a 10-minute you know, conversation with, with an Airbnb host. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and in some places, you know, ended up having dinner with their family. But I think for a lot of people, the idea of spending that much time, so you had 21 days on your own, very little conversation with other, with other people? Very little conversation with other people. I didn't take any music with me because my phone, my phone's quite an old phone. I had yeah. to remove all the apps off it so that I could squeeze all the database and maps into it, into, into the memory. Right. So I think that was a mistake. I don't normally listen to music on the phone when I'm cycling. Um, yeah. I'm quite happy without, but there were times I, I just needed something to listen to. So. Uh, yeah, so how do you cope with the boredom then? Because there, there's got to be places I, where I, I found riding through France... France is particularly boring. Oh, yeah. my God, it's, it's dull as hell. Yeah. You know, there's just kilometre after a kilometre yeah. of straight roads into a headwind with nothing to look at. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the country lanes I chose, they were absolutely stunning. There was very little car traffic, so it was compared to what we used to hear. It was absolutely amazing. But yeah. five or six days of that... Um, really, really struggling. So how do you so, deal with the boredom then? I just keep pedalling, uh, practice Shakespeare, sing songs. Uh, <laughs> now I yeah. sing as well. Yeah, but... I sing badly. <laughs> badly, badly, badly yeah. 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 But no one yeah. can hear it and who cares? Cause yeah, yeah. Never see well, I think there are parts of Switzerland that will never recover yeah. my medley of <laughs> 80s hits <laughs> as I rode yeah. through the mountains. I'm sure uh, if you rode with other people, you'd keep really quiet. And just, yeah. But when you're on your own, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, about fueling, because that has to be a challenge. So I, I, in my ride across, in, in 14 days, riding a lot less than you, so I covered 1,600 kilometres, but I lost five kilos, despite the fact I was yeah. eating like a horse. 
how much how much weight did you use? How did you cope with fueling? I just, I mean, I didn't have any problem to, for fueling until I got to France. And yeah. then France is a major problem. All the riders struggled with, with getting across France. So going through rural France, you come into little towns and villages, which there's not much going on there. Um, and sometimes I haven't even got shops. Um, and then on the one day, on the one Sunday, it was a feast of, a, of the Virgin Mary and all of France was shut. So it was a real problem getting food. But oh, the rest family. of the time, we've got everywhere you went, Serbia and Croatia and Bulgaria, petrol stations and bars yeah, and shops. Yeah, yeah. So you, <coughs> you couldn't you can eat whatever you want. But I found it soul destroying though when you're when you know when you're really tired and you look at the map and you go, Well there's a little town ahead, I'll get I'll get fill yeah, my yeah. water bottles there, I'll get some food there and you get there and there's nothing. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's not even a shop to, yeah. to choose from and, and then you then you start to go, Well I'll get the next the next yeah. town and then there's nothing there. And then you get you get to that point of starting to search for petrol stations and thinking I don't care whatever really, it is I didn't I'll eat. find a single petrol station in France. It, it didn't seem to be <laughs> it's just weird. I mean they were everywhere else you went. Yeah, um, but not, not in France for some reason. It must have been the route I chose. What, what did you eat? Did you, did you have any kind of anything? Anything, anything you anything. Could, yeah. I, I get to the point at the end where I can drink in one go uh, or at least one and a half bottle of Fanta without getting um, bloated. Yeah. You could eat big uh, baguettes, bags of crisps. Yeah. Uh, Haribo. I don't know why anybody doesn't get Haribo as a sponsor for endurance cycling because it yeah. seems to be what everybody eats everywhere you go. You can find Haribo. Yeah. Um, I tried to carry on eating fruit, uh, fruit juice, litres of, you know, orange juice and stuff. I, like I drank more Coke in two weeks than I had in the rest I of never my normally, life together. I, never I don't, normally. I'm not a big yeah. drinker of it. It, um, it just, it ended up being a fixation for me for, you know, I need another Coke. I need yeah, to yeah. stop energy, somewhere. Energy, energy, just keep, and do, just and, keep and because it's yeah. bad, because it's yeah. just an instant hit. Yeah, and you yeah. feel great for about half an hour, and then, then yeah. it comes, completely wears out. Did you lose weight on the on the ride? Uh, no, I don't think I did, actually. I think the one thing I noticed, I had a, a sort of raised... I think I had an enlarged heart, just by, just by well, the top of my rib cage. Yeah. And I think uh, if you do a large amount of endurance exercise, you do build a large heart. Yeah, because it is a muscle. The pump just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, pumping large volumes of blood at a low pressure. So it's not a particularly great thing to have as a sports person, but you could actually notice a sort of pronounced lump there. But the rest of my body didn't change at all. But I was definitely fitter at the end. (laughs) You hope so. so, But there was no recovery. There's no recovery. So you never really know what you could have done. But I know that in day two, when I collapsed and I did 70 miles... Yeah, um, that never happened again. I was able to to carry on doing miles and miles and miles, and I just got better and better. Um, I wonder what it would have been like if I'd have had a couple of days to rest in there. I could have gone on, you know, really gone gone a lot faster on those days. Yeah. So I think the thing that I that I really loved the most. So I, I you know I texted you a few times while you're on on your way, and um, you sent. Uh, a few people, I think, uh, a video of you climbing through fog, clouds, mist, something right, at the top yeah, of yeah. a big mountain somewhere, where you literally could not see anything. But th- but there was there was a lot of emotion in your voice while you were talking <laughs> into <laughs> talking into your phone. Yeah. Can you describe what what, what, that, what that was like? Because I don't know where you were when you did it, but you just sent this bit, and it just. I really felt for you at that point. I love climbing mountains on the bike. I really do. Uh, But it seemed most of them, probably 80% of them, were in the rain. It's just poor timing. So you're climbing for an hour or more in the rain. You get soaked through. Um, You stay warm as you're going up. And then on the down, as you go down the other side, you absolutely freeze and you sort of can't break properly because your fingers are so numb. And um, the big, big climb, the Galibier, 
I did that in the rain as well. I was really worried there because I thought there's nowhere to shelter. It's a wide open mountain. You could actually get into a real hypothermic situation, but got to the other end and it, and it, the sun came out and it was shining. So I think I was quite lucky. Yeah. Um, but it's really annoying because that, that for me is the high point of the race is climbing the mountains and seeing all the beautiful views and it yeah. just seemed to be what, you didn't what, get any. what more can it throw at you day after yeah. day of rain yeah. <laughs> and, and I think when you sent that video you were just over halfway and the winner had finished yes yeah, were, yeah, were you yeah. aware that she'd finished yes. yeah, yeah. how does that <laughs> well, I never set out to win the race. No, clearly, <laughs> clearly not. But but is it was was it encouraging? Or was it dispiriting? You kind of had no effect to me. No effect at all. No, not at all. No. So you were, you were literally not bothered about anybody who finished in front of you. No, all I but you were is, concerned about people. That, I knew not finishing was never an option. Never even went through my mind. But I wanted, honestly, in twenty one days, you never thought I won't finish this. Well, what would you do? So you you give up in Croatia, and then how are you going to get home? Yeah. So you, you do, giving up would be like, well, I've got to now find a train and a bike box and a plane or something. And that's it's one of the reasons I love A to B rides, like I, I've been doing the, the, the riding a long way home things, is because of that realization. There's no alternative. It is. Yeah, yeah. No one's coming to get me. Yeah, yeah. There's no, I can call my friend or my wife or partner and they'll come and get me. There's just you. And you're only going to get home if you make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something fantastic in that. I think so too. So I think, um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't knock me that somebody had, had finished ten, well, more than 10 days before. But, yeah. Um, there's some very strong people. Um, I remember climbing with one guy, Alistair, who later on scratched, but I could easily overtake him on, on the climbs. But on the flat, some of these guys are very fast. So yes. Probably two or three miles an hour faster than me on average on the flat. It makes a big difference. Um, yeah. So for me, the mountains were my chance to sort of minimise minimise the damage. So you saw, so you you had kind of daily, or or, or how, when did you when did you see the other people on the, on the road? to start off with quite a lot, yeah, um, and then it all split up because I think people the, the gaps opened up, and then there was a call probably of about eight or ten of us of a similar ability, and then some of those scratched. So at the end, there was about probably about six riders that I saw. Maybe you'd see one rider a day um, to say hello to. Um, you're not allowed. They're very strict about it. you can't help each other. So, I, yeah, I, it was really odd that if you if I saw you by the side of the road and you got a puncture, I'd stop and help. I've always done that. I'd yeah. help, help you fix a chain. I fix people's bikes. But if I do that in this race, then we're both disqualified. So it's really weird seeing people. And but how would they know? Well, there you go. <laughs> you're out in the middle yeah. of Serbia somewhere, and I you, think you came one, across somebody else. I think in one race, one competitor lent another one his rain jacket. When he got yeah. to the finish, he handed the rain jacket back to the other guy, oh, and right. I saw him. So these these things do come out, but it's yeah. the spirit of the, of the race, isn't it? That you're not supposed to. It seems odd to me. But that, w- that would seem particularly brutal to me. Um, so I know that, that, you know, having read a couple of other people's stories, and I've just started reading a, a, a biography of someone, uh, Emily Chappell, who, who I think she won a couple of times in, in the past. Right. Talking about riding through quiet rural places and being chased by dogs. Yes. And being frightened. Yeah. Did you have that experience I did get well? chased by dogs. Yeah, yeah. It was quite scary because there were three dogs coming diagonally from my left. Uh, straight in front of oncoming traffic. That didn't seem to bother them. <laughs> it bothered me because I thought if I come off... I'm, probably going to get run over so luckily yeah. I was going sort of slightly downhill and I could get get the pace on yeah um, most of the dog, everyone warned us about dogs um, and we did see some wild dogs but I was just really lucky I think I came across one dog that was um, 
just sitting there completely out of breath with his tongue lolling out and it was really heavily breathing and I thought yeah. it's just chased someone else so it's not it's going to leave me alone <laughs> they're just roaming around yeah um, and, so and where, where was it where did you get chased in Serbia Serbia right. Ser- Serbia and Bulgaria are quite eye-opening places in terms yeah. of um, how rough the, the roads are and the conditions um, yeah quite 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 rough so chased by dogs, climbing in the mountains in 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 the rain, sleeping and, and also in, sleeping high, in bus stops. High temper- the temperatures some of the days were so high yeah. it was just unbearable. A couple of times so, you just have to lie down in the shade and just for five minutes just to cool down. Okay, so high t- high temperatures, picking your own. Headwind. Why? Why? <laughs> Come back to my first question. Why? Sell it to people who are listening to the podcasters. Why would anybody in their right minds want what to go? An and amazing do it? adventure, Paul. It's probably it's probably the biggest adventure of my life. Yeah, um, it's not very expensive. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of time involved. Yeah, but it's, I think the biggest time commitment is actually training for it, um, kitting the bike out and everything. But um, yeah, I haven't asked you anything about about your kit. So what what bike did you ride? Just, just I bought a bike off eBay for three hundred eighty five quid. I bought it probably about a month before I went, and it was um, a Trek Domain, which was quite a comfy bike. It yeah. was a girls' bike. It had a female d- diva lady saddle on it. Um, you didn't change the saddle. It was a really comfy saddle. I know they put Brooks saddles <laughs> on, but it was really comfy saddle. You're I, making this sound. You're making it up because you're making it sound like that. That almost anybody could do it, and it, make, and it makes it, it sound yeah. like. You just rocked up, thought, oh yeah, I'll have a bash at that. I'll yeah, buy a, a bike for 385 quid off eBay yeah, yeah. And, have a, and have a crack at it. And I know from having seen the winner was on a pretty expensive, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I think she was like a specialised bike, but she was also head to toe in Rafa, which is kind of why, yeah, it, yeah, works, yeah. why it stood out for me. So, so you had a, a bike off eBay, your and normal bike kit. Uh, I think I spent so, a lot of time what kit are we going to take with you? Because the bike's seven or eight kilos, but the total weight of the bike with all the stuff on it came to 15 kilos. So you've got to think about every single thing you take with you. Can you can you save a bit of weight here, save a bit of weight there? And I think I took too much stuff. So I took, for instance, three pairs of socks. Yeah. I didn't need three pairs of socks. Probably only actually really needed one pair of socks. Um, I took two pairs of shorts. I ended up wearing two pairs of shorts because uh, actually I had to wear both of them because I, I didn't get saddle sort at all, but I got numb just from sitting in the same position hour after hour. So did you have uh, to bring a massive pot of chamois cream with you? I as didn't well? bring any chamois cream at all. It didn't occur to me. I just didn't think. Um, so I bought a tub, a tub of Vaseline. And I just <laughs> lathered up the shorts with, with Vaseline. And that made it sort of bearable. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure after after 21 days in that outfit, the, the smell was probably not bearable. But, yeah. But you were on your own all that time. I washed a few times, yeah. but uh, the state of me. The worst thing is, you're impressed. Yeah. That's it. The race is over. Oh, I've got to catch a train now, dressed in my filthy, dirty clothes. Because I didn't have yeah, a yeah, yeah. So so change of clothes. So there was, no, there was nobody there at the finish line to, to say, well done. No, there was one of the other people <coughs> I'd been racing with, her, her husband was there, so he met me and took some photos, and yeah. we had a beer later on, but nothing there. But then you just, the anticlimax of getting home on a train on your own in all your filthy clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's, I, can, I get that that can feel anticlimactic. I actually felt at the end of my trip to, when I ended up in London, I, I, I rode to the Rafa Cafe in the, in the middle of London, and Rachel met me there and a couple of friends. Um, but I actually realised en route, I didn't care that there was, no, there was a, that if anybody turned up at the end, because I did it for me. Mm. And so I, would, I think I would have been quite happy 
to have rocked up, had me, you know, flat white, and then got back on the train and, and gone home. I'm just glad that there was a train station there and I could get on the train with the bike without dismantling it and I yeah. didn't have to cycle another 30 or 40 miles to get... So you got a train there. to Paris and then... No, I got a train from Brest to somewhere else from Brittany and then switched yeah. and got to... Uh, San Marlo, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, okay. got a ferry back to yeah. San Marlo. To so. port, into Portsmouth. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. And then... Then, right, I got, right. then I got picked up from Portsmouth, which is almost cheating, but I just couldn't bear the thought of, of striking anymore. Um, yeah. So I know that... Uh, this coming weekend, the the new route, the new route will be revealed, or at least the start and finish points will be revealed. Are you tempted to go again? Yes. <laughs> wow, that was quick. So you've gone from telling me this was the hardest experience of your yeah. life to instantly saying yes, I want to repeat it. Yeah, it's an amazing adventure. I think any yeah. adventure is going to be difficult. Okay. Uh, so if if I could ask you to pick, you know, if you picked one thing that you would definitely do differently, what would that be? I would take less kit. And I'd spend a lot more time on one thing. Two yeah, things. two I, things then. I would take less kit and I would spend a lot more time on, on route planning. Yeah. I'd save a lot of time on route planning. Um, um, you, I mean, you learn so much from doing it. They're just little things. Um, like every time you stop your bike, for instance, you, your average is coming down. So your average speed, I think mine was probably 10 or 11 miles an hour because every time you stop, it reduces your average. So when you stop, make sure you do at least, say, three things. So if you want... You know, if you want to change yeah. the, the, the charging point of the Garmin, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, look at the map or something. Stop for three reasons, not one, not three separate stops for three separate things. Right. So, idea pops in your head. You want to do something, carry on till you've got another couple of things to go. Right. And just make Be more time every efficient. Stop. And I think that's why Fiona won because everything, every minute is is efficient. You're either riding the bike or doing something that helps you go faster when you are riding the bike. Yes. And that's it. Just keep, just keep going. Yeah. So you're attracted to doing it again? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but is there, what what might put you off is that is it with the, the with route. the the route yeah, would yeah. put you off? Yeah. I, th- I think the traditional route of north south yeah. would be really demoralising for somebody who's slow on the flat to just be left so far behind by the time we got to the mountains. It's um, quite a lot of the time it's ended up in Istanbul, isn't it? Yeah. Like so it's gone from and one time it started in London, but sometimes yeah. it started in Belgium. And so you've got the first two, three, four days of quite flat country where, yeah. you know, I, I, the time gaps would be huge. I mean, they were huge anyway, but it would be really demoralising at the beginning of the race to, you know, to be in such a, a bad state of affairs. So I think this particular edition of the race suited me quite well because I'm okay. I'm okay in heat and I'm okay in the mountains. So we started off in the heat and in the mountains. Um, and then the sort of the boring five days at the end across France, the damage, the damage is already done then, so yeah. just, just cling on. Mm. Okay, so you know you finished this edition sixth from last. Yes. And that's a, that's a clearly an important distinction yes. for you. Yeah. There were, and the, the I wouldn't is, have bothered me because yeah. being the Lantern Rouge is what, is what the Lantern Rouge yeah. Club is all about. Well, I wouldn't I, have minded just, that. I, I wouldn't have minded either because just finishing is... Finishing good, is a it? huge but, achievement. Lots of people didn't finish at all yeah. for whatever reason. Some of it's unlucky. I mean, you could have bad mechanical problems or... 
bad saddle sores or something, but I finished. Um, there were two people just in front of me. I could see their dot on the phone. Yeah. And they were literally only five minutes in front of me, but I just couldn't. I couldn't. You couldn't go any faster. I could have finished eighth from eighth from last, but I just couldn't. What, what, what would that have meant, though, yeah. too? <laughs> <laughs> Pyrrhic victory, I feel. Yeah, wouldn't, yeah. Have it, wouldn't have meant much at all in, in Tolland doing I it. I certainly don't want to go back to Brittany because it rains the whole time in Brittany. Yeah. And it's quite challenging terrain, very rolling. Yeah, um, I, no, don't want to go back there. <laughs> uh, well, I hope. I hopefully for you then it'll it'll go uh, south to north again, or at least east east to west. Who knows? For some reason, yeah. that makes more sense to me. So you know, riding the long way home makes sense to me when you know that at the end you'll be back where you come from. Yes, rather than rather than disappearing yeah. further and further away yeah. from home, which mentally for me seems to make it uh, you know make make it feel tougher. Yes, you, if you ended up in Istanbul. What do you do? Do you book your flights before you go? You don't know quite how long it's going to take you. You might not even make it at all. Yeah. So uh, turn up in Istanbul with no plan on getting home. Hmm. Don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, yeah. well that might appeal to me. I've got lots of lots of friends in Istanbul. So you know, if it ever goes there, I have to say that the things that put me off that that you've just talk, talked about, uh, you know, I'm not most sold it to you. Then, mo- you haven't sold it to me. The number one thing is actually, uh, I don't want to ride against the clock. Anymore, at least, mm. you know, I, I, you know, part of the joy of, of riding the long way home for me is riding with your own ebb and flow, your own pace, yeah, yeah. and not feeling all the time I have to make it to somewhere. And I, and I think the pressure of having to hit checkpoints would probably take me but out of this. There were some, it says, it says in the uh, literature, there were some riders who didn't treat it as a race. Who yeah. I think they just thought, I want to get there, and I'm not going to do it in the 15 days. I think the cutoff for the GC was 16 days so there were people who hadn't got a hope of doing it in 16 days just right. wanted to treat it as as, as, as a journey as, yeah. a, as a lifetime adventure and, and so they would just turn up and it wouldn't matter to them whether yes. there's anybody there at the finish or not yeah there's a finishers party at the end of the 16th day and, <laughs> which you missed which I missed by five days yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, that would feel harsh yeah. if, you, if you weren't getting to the end of the party. Well, listen, Andy, it's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you. um, hopefully you'll, you'll go on to do another one uh, next year and it'll be a be- better experience. You'll get better views, fewer dogs, more shops open to, better, eat, to eat in. Better preparation. Better, better preparation, better yeah. Better kit. Yeah. And so perhaps, ne- <clears throat> perhaps when you're prepping for next year, we'll talk to you again and, and you can tell us about where you're going to go and how you're going to make it work better this time around. Yeah. Now, Andy, thank you so much. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you thank very you. much for having me. And that's it for this episode of Riding the Long Way Home. Hope you've enjoyed it, listening to someone who has definitely taken the longer way home on his journey in 2019 and um, has planted the seed in my head that maybe sometime in the future I'll also have a go at the Transcontinental. See you in the next episode.